live from Cube headquarters in Palo Alto, California. It's the Silicon Valley Friday Show with John Furrier. Okay, welcome everyone. We are listening to the Silicon Valley Friday Show. I'm John Furrier. Joining me today is Jeff Frick, General Manager of our Q Business, and we're going to have Dave Vellante call in later uh, to give his perspective. This is the weekly review. This is our weekly podcast show where we 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 summarize all the events happening all week, with the top news in tech, extract the signals from the noise, and talk about the impact. I'm here with Jeff Frick. Jeff, great to see you. How was your week? The weeks just keep flying by, John. We do so much every week, and then you get to the end of the week, you want to do a quick summary, and then it's like, oh my gosh, we're off to the next week, and the and the uh, the storm of, of activity just never never ceases. There's so much action happening in Silicon Valley. It's I mean, almost hard to really kind of encapsulate it all into, into 30 minutes, but there's so much happening. Just quickly, you can run down what we're going to talk about uh, in today's show. Is One, obviously, AT&T is buying Time Warner for record record number amount. That's a huge impact of the business. It shows a couple different tell signs in the industry. One, on the media business. Two, in Technology three in consolidation. Uh, it's earnings season. A lot of earnings came out yesterday and a couple days earlier. And so you got all the big bellwethers in tech, the new modern companies from Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, Amazon, all happening. And of course, there's a bunch of other news. Um, and sadly, we heard that one of our own Cube alumni, Sean Price, recently died of, uh, of, a, of a shocking disease. So we're going to talk a little bit about Sean Price. Uh, Adrian Cockroft, another Cube alumni, is moving to AWS. He was the pioneer behind Netflix's All Flash, All AWS, building Netflix, the the the, the powerhouse that it is today, all on Amazon Web Services, and he's now going to go there. So he was a pioneer. Ignition Partners is expanding heavily in Silicon Valley. They're a Seattle-based venture capital firm. And they're uh, exploding in Silicon Valley. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Seattle is the cloud capital of the world. And then we have a UK, UK tech company, Wen Disco, that went through a Silicon Valley story, but in London, where David Richards was was power played out by the board. He gets back in, kicks out the chairman. Huge, it's a typical Silicon Valley story happening in London. <laughs> Nonetheless, we'll talk about that. Big brawl. And then Sanjay Poonin is now the COO at VMware, as well as their business is reorganizing. And of course, Twitter shutting down Vine. Jeff, there's so much happening. It never stops. It never stops. So we're, we're going to talk about the first segment. Let's talk about the earnings, and, uh, the bellwethers. Um, Google hit their earnings, or ex exceeded their earnings, and you saw that with mobile ad revenue. Amazon missed, but AWS still did good. VMware did great, so that's interesting. <laughs> Twitter actually did good and shocked the world. So, And then LinkedIn just kind of putted along and had a little bit of growth, but... Huge. What's what's your take on that? Well, it's just you know, we were just at the the AWS VMware announcement what a week or so ago, and you just think of the amount of cloud business that's rolled up between those two companies out of the total, and now they're going to be partnering to make it even easier. The, the public cloud just continues to grow and get traction. As I always say, never bet against Bezos, and certainly Andy Jassy's got it got it going on. So not a surprise. Um, it, it, basically, it's all about efficiency, John. And what 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 clouds allow you to do is instead of having kind of a efficiency beyond what you need at the individual level, now at an aggregate, you can have that same little bit of buffer, but it's spread out over such a much bigger yeah, but, base. But you have but Amazon so is a bellwether, and Apple also released their news, and they dropped down from. I think uh, 52 billion last year. Last year in revenue to 49 billion. They also exited their autonomous car. They announced the uh, exit from their autonomous car project as well. A little reset there, and then talk about reset. Google reset on their their fiber to the home project as well. So a little bit of uh, of reset on some pretty high profile projects. My favorite earnings call this week was the Twitter earnings call where Jack Dorsey made a brief statement, then they took questions, and you could almost hear the chip on their shoulder. And Twitter actually did good. They're cutting vines. So what they're saying is, hey, the news Twitter being positioned as news 
news and video is actually working. And their revenue is like 500 million a quarter. If you think about it, that's like just 400 million short of where LinkedIn is. And LinkedIn was a $26 billion valuation that Microsoft bought them for. Twitter can't even get $16 billion for their company. So this is a huge delta. And I think if you look at LinkedIn's revenue, I think bulk of it comes from um, recruiting services, basically, right, right, or hiring, right. whatever they call it. Essentially, that's something that Twitter doesn't even have. So I think you know, Twitter is certainly ma massively undervalued. I think the company there has got a chip on their shoulder in a good way, and it's going to drive that that bus forward. And and basically, like, hey, screw you guys on Wall Street. We're just going to get the profitability, and we're going to just rock and roll. Well, eat just my be dust. Twitter, right? I mean, Twitter, just be Twitter. Try quit trying to be something else. I mean, they are the great source of news, especially breaking news. You think of CNN, the CNN moment back in, when the bombs were dropping in Baghdad. Twitter. Has that every single day? There's news dropping yeah. every day. So quit trying to be Facebook and just Twitter. Be yeah, but Twitter. Here's, my, here's the thing about Twitter that I love. Jack Dorsey was asked on the earnings call from an, some uh, bozo analyst said, "Hey, Jack, what do you think is going to be revolutionary about Twitter to help you grow?" And he goes, "It's already a revolutionary." So, and he's absolutely right. Twitter is already a revolution. It's really the product is good by itself. They got to do what I've said two years ago. I'm going to say it again. They got to get line extensions. They just keep the core product. It's kicking ass. It's, it is revolutionary. Get line extensions. Expand off the core product. What'd you think of uh, the Benioff news saying, we were interested in buying both Twitter and LinkedIn, but things were leaking all over the place and screwed up our uh, our transaction process. I love that. I think that's a smart move. If I was him, I'd be in the same same boat. You get LinkedIn and you get Twitter, you have both essentially the Rolodex for salespeople because salesforce.com loves that. And Twitter is one big communication backbone. That's awesome. That's a land grab of epic proportions. Who wouldn't want those oh, two well, companies? Think of you, you tag that with LinkedIn too. Now, now suddenly you know all your targets, right? Because I mean, LinkedIn dialed right into all the, all the titles of all the executives that you're trying yeah, to go after. I think that's Don't a have to manually re-input it. It was almost a scary scenario if the Salesforce owned LinkedIn. Let's bring in Dave Vellante. Dave, uh, Dave's on the phone. Dave Vellante's on the phone. Let's bring him in. Dave, hello. Dave, you there? Hi, guys. How you doing? All right. We got Dave Vellante on the, on the phone here, our line one. Go ahead, Dave. What do you think about the earnings? What does it mean? Guys, I was uh, listening to the conversation you know, live. So, you know, I got to chime in on AWS. You know, stock got hammered yesterday after the Amazon announced, but AWS, you know, from my take, is killing it. They're still growing, you know, in the mid-50s, but the operating profit is what is just unbelievable to me. Their operating profit was like 26% this quarter. This is just AWS, up from 20.5% a year ago. I mean, just to give you context, EMC, before it went private with the acquisition from Dell, had 17%. Operating profit, and they're an incredibly profitable company. AWS is in the twenty-five to twenty-six percent consistently, and it's been growing. So, what does that mean, Dave? What does that there. mean to you? What is that? What's the relevance of that to the to the marketplace? So, the relevance of that to me is that a, the AWS cost structure is superior to everybody else out there because of their volume, and it's because of what Jeff was talking about, the efficiency. So, even though Amazon loves to say, and he just loves to say, "Hey, it's not about price," Amazon's got the best cost structure. And so they are able to deliver services significantly faster and more profitable than anybody else. And the more they grow, the more profitable they get. It's like Microsoft with software in the 80s and 90s. It's, it's, a, it's a mega trend that I, I think not a lot of people are, are really attuned to. And it's just going to get stronger and stronger, in my view. And, and then, I was going to uh, say... Dave, the thing that amazes me about Amazon is it used to be everyone went from specialty hardware, sunboxes, silicon graphic boxes and chips, to Intel-based because of the volume powered by PCs and it was more economical. Now the big guys, the Googles, the Amazons, have such volume in their own infrastructure that they can actually get better economics building custom-built hardware for their applications than they can using an Intel chip. They've 
completely flipped the hardware economics upside down. I, I totally agree with you. It, it, you're right. It used to be the economics of microprocessor-based computing, and now it's the economics of cloud-based computing. And this, to me, is relevant for every CIO out there because a lot of people will say, well, you know, we want to build it on-prem and hybrid, et cetera, et cetera. But, well, that's all true. Amazon will continue to have the superior cost structure, and, and that the pace of that cost decline is going to continue. I'm not saying price. You know, there's plenty of studies out there that show that Price-wise, it may be more expensive to go to the public cloud, but cost-wise, Amazon has a huge advantage. And then the other company that announced, too, John, uh, ServiceNow is killing it. Frank Slootman was on uh, CNBC last night with Kramer, and uh, tons of momentum there. So that's one other one that I want to Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the, the, the talk on the streets in Silicon Valley on this is that basically it's a Seattle-based company, obviously Amazon Web Services. I asked, asked Andy Jassy when we had the exclusive interview with Gelsinger and... Uh, um, Jassy, I'm like, you know, is there a win? I asked Gelsinger because he's from the old Intel days. You know, the Wintel was the Microsoft Windows Intel monopoly, <laughs> duopoly. What do you want to call it? Um, but is in the cloud, is there a Wintel dynamic? Is it an AWS VMware? And so the pe the street talking Silicon Valley is people are scrambling right now. The VCs are are are, are, are shaking in their boots because they don't know what bets will come home for this. This only completely changes the game on on the horses they've been betting on, rather than the startups. And meanwhile, you got Ignition Partners expanding in Silicon Valley, and they're a Seattle-based company with some great partners. So you're starting to see a new order, a new kind of dynamic you've never seen before. So that that generation of Y Combinator, that generation of Web 2.0 is phasing out to a new cloud generation, and all those bets on the table that didn't come home are totally at risk. That's the big talk in Silicon Valley. Yeah, and don't forget the well, company Microsoft you know, and Google, right, who still haven't really the, made their play. Yeah, They're I mean, the, um, Dave, go ahead. What's your, you know, what's your could, thoughts? If I could chime in on that, I mean, your point about the sort of virtual monopoly between Microsoft and Intel, I mean, I think that, you know, what's happening with cloud is the cloud is becoming a sort of this new model, and, and you know, it's almost like, there's just Amazon. I mean, you mentioned Amazon and VMware. Amazon this week very quietly announced a, a VM migration tool and make a big deal out of it, but it's all about that big sucking sound going from on-prem virtual machines into <laughs> Big cloud. sucking sound. It's like on-ramp to the cloud. Once you check in, you can't check out. That's what Joe Tucci once said about yeah, the cloud. Hotel California. Hotel, the Roach Motel. Once you check in, you can't check out. Dave, I mean, this is an impact. So let's talk about the uh, impact real quick. We've got less than a minute left here before our next segment. Uh, take a commercial break. But uh, impact to IBM. They have their own cloud game. I'll see VM where you mentioned. Amazon's just rolling down like a steamroller down the street, just like tanks invading the, the, the IT business now. What, what's your take on uh, on IBM and others that are going to try to compete here? Well, if you're not Microsoft and you're not Google with huge volume, you better have a, a massive differentiation strategy to compete with Amazon. And I think IBM does, and its differentiation strategy is Watson. And interestingly, you can only get Watson in the IBM cloud. That's the only way to get it. So to the extent that IBM succeeds with Watson, it's going to succeed with cloud. And, you know, you could say Oracle's got a similar differentiation strategy, not with AI, but with the red stack. So, you know, you've got to have a massive differentiation up the stack to compete with Amazon. That's the bottom line, or well, your toast. Well, we'll keep you on the line here. We're going to take a break. You're watching and listening to the Silicon Valley Friday show. I'm John Furrier, and joining me today is Jeff Frick and Dave Vellante on the phone. That's the first time we brought someone in on the podcast here, talking about what's going on in tech. We'll be right back with more after this short break. Since the dawn of big data, the Cube has been there, connecting with executives, practitioners, 
entrepreneurs, thought leaders. But you're not a thought leader anymore. You're a futurist. That's the new trend. Futurist is the buzzword. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm very much living in the past. <laughs> I don't like the future. I don't think much of the present. And John Cleese. There's a lot of people out there who have no idea what they're doing, but they have absolutely no idea that they have no idea what they're doing. And those are the ones with the confidence of stupidity who finish up in power. That's why the planet doesn't work. Knowledgeable, insightful, and a true gentleman. And the guy at the counter recognized me and said, are you listening? Yes, I'm tweeting away. I tweet. I'm tweeting away. He just got rude that way. But. <laughs> John Cleese joins the Cube alumni. Welcome, John. You got any phone calls you need to answer? <laughs> Hold on. Let me check. The Cube is a comfortable place. You come inside the Cube and we have a conversation, uh, almost as if it were a, a, a chance meeting. And we have a, a discussion about a particular topic. Our philosophy is everybody's expert at something, everybody's passionate about something and has real deep knowledge about that something. Well, we want to focus in on that area and extract that knowledge and share it with our communities. Folks who have never heard of it before come in the Cube and say, wow, this is really cool what you guys are doing. It's unique, it adds value to the community, and it adds value by really sharing information. I can't tell you how many people stop me at conferences or on the streets, on our airports, say, hey, I love your show. People that I've never met before, they say to me, I know you, you don't know me. I watch the Cube, I queue up your videos, I listen to them while I'm on the, the treadmill. You know, it helps me, you know, learn, expands my knowledge, you know, thank you. So, you know, it's really an honor to be part of that community. This is Dave Vellante, thanks for watching the Cube. You're listening to the Silicon Valley Friday Show with John Furrier. Okay, we're back. You're listening to the Silicon Valley Friday Show with John Furrier. And joining me today is Jeff Frick and on the phone, Dave Vellante. Our first call-in segment on our sixth episode of our podcast slash in-studio audio program with a little bit of video footage you're watching. If you want to get the video, we kind of record video. Um, talking about what's going on in tech, obviously the focus on the show is the impact top stories in Silicon Valley, in technology industry. I'm John Furrier with Jeff Frick and Dave Vellante. Jeff um, and Dave, this next segment is on the mega Time Warner uh, AT&T acquisition or merger acquisition. AT&T is actually buying Time Warner. Uh, Time Warner executives are being heralded as being brilliant for getting getting rid of it at such a high price. Um, some are questioning the approval by the government relative to competitiveness, but clearly you have content changing. We're in the content business, so we have a, cl a clear view on what we think this means. But from an industry standpoint, this is basically the largest telco company and telecommunications company buying the largest content source, bringing them together to provide and probably try to compete with Amazon, Comcast, and merge content with networking. Right. It's just a follow-on of what Comcast did, right? Buying, buying NBC and, and all their media properties. You want to have the content and you want to have the... the the distribution as well. It, what is also just amazing, you take a company like Comcast and AT&T, when people are paying you a couple hundred bucks every month all over the country, you 
get a pretty good war chest and you can do a lot of things. And, you know, we all get that big cable bill and yep. everyone doesn't want to be relying on HBO. They're all producing their own their own content. And that really is the ticket. That's what they're going to continue to do. Yeah, you know, we were talking to our young guns here, uh, Brendan Ryder and Greg Stewart yesterday about how NFL ratings are down. And, and we kind of revealed our own opinion. But we're talking about really about um, how the consumption has changed significantly. So you look at what we are now in our eighth year of mobile. You know, if you got 2007 iPhone as the birth of the mobile transformation, you're looking at now the impact of what that's happening with social and this new connected fabric that's with cloud is changing the game completely. That AT&T, which basically powers all the iPhones originally, and now Verizon and others, they need content and the old content models are completely dying. They're going to be a new over the top. Well, this there's the over the top, but then what's what's also interesting is kind of the barbell. On one hand, take take watching football. You watch your phone and watch your fantasy numbers change, or maybe you watch uh, the red zone, so you're watching quick, quick highlights. So people say short, 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 short attention span. On the other hand, you have this massive uh, bulk watching of shows like new HBO shows that come up where people sit and, and, and binge watch six or seven episodes at a time. So it's really kind of bifurcating around what used to be sit on a scheduled time and eat up too many commercials. I also think the NFL, you know, to pay the rates that they're paying has, has so many commercials and ways they're trying to get revenue that it's alienating people. And you haven't built the base of a young fan that's been going with their dad for this years is, and years and years. Yeah, but this is changing the, the configuration of the socialization and the society impact of technology. This is the social impact because now you have technology changing how we work and how we leisure and how we play. And ultimately, if you look at it, it's the digital transformation. And this is why I think Twitter is so right on the money with this whole NFL Live and their whole live strategy because they're now saying, hey, you know what? How people are going to be acquiring and discovering and consuming is completely different. That's why I love IBM's strategy because IBM's saying from an enterprise perspective, we're going to go consumer life in the enterprise. And they're really focusing on the real digital stuff. They have a deal with Twitter. They're doing Watson. They're thinking about cognitive this is a completely different mindset so i'm not sure the time warner at&t will will take it might take too long to bake out that digital kind of mindset unless they fire all the old people and bring in a bunch of new young guns otherwise i think the deal's going to fall flat on his face in my opinion well the the, the fact that the nfl oh, dave, dave, hits, dave you want to chime in saying saying dave, we got dave Vellante jumping in here jumping over the phone boston jumping through the phone go ahead dave I mean, you know, you pointed out it's gonna it's got some headwinds. Bernie Sanders just came out, and you know, it's trying to obviously get the, the, the government to block the deal. But yeah, you, know, you basically have a, this marriage between Time Warner's movie and television business and AT and T's three hundred million subscribers. And you know, the interesting piece of the content here, you know, you got the Harry Potter, you got the Superman, Batman, but you also have the DC Comics stuff, which I think really does appeal to the millennials. So it was interesting to hear you say it'll fall fall over. I mean, the content I think is good. What you're talking about is the size of that massive merger. They'll trip over themselves, and your, your fear is they won't be able to execute. But on paper, you can see why AT&T wants to do this deal and why it's paying so much. Uh, on, on paper, it makes total sense. You, you know, And, and I, I think that having content on with the network will do it. But the question is, the cost structure to make the content and the monetization of that content will be challenging. So I just my my thinking is unless they can get a new management team in there that's younger. I don't think it's going to work for well, I don't know. Never remember they busted them up before and they ref 
formed it didn't take them long to <laughs> take like it to me but they came back all together again at&t did and again it's that recurring revenue that is so powerful what's really going to hurt them is if the over-the-top services you talk about the young guns we have here in the offices most of them aren't getting the premium packages on cable they get internet packages you buy the individual sports or yeah. or media that you want to consume so this kind of bundled pricing uh for a thousand channels as bruce springsteen would say and nothing is on that's really at risk right well this is the, the relevance to this is the relevance of this is that at the end of the day we are in a massive shift in the infrastructure and in the in the the business processes from content to networks and in when you anytime you have this kind of inflection point like we're seeing now with digital uh, intelligence digital transformation inside economy whatever you want to call it new brands emerge and i'm i'm a big believer that there will be new brands and new companies will emerge will take the place yeah i think at&t time will have a nice little spot at the table get a, some crumbs off the tables continue to draw you know slowly move that business forward but i think it's going to be a new brand it's going to be an amazon or a youtube that's going to come in well, it will be someone that no one sees coming in from left and, field and new types of content you know tony hawk spoke at the intuit quickbooks event and he's talking about they just put together this huge a video project. He said, back in the day, we would shoot this thing. It had a lot of cost, but we would have DVDs. We would sell subscriptions. We would do all kinds of stuff. He said, now people don't pay for content. Now it's really just a marketing vehicle to do other things. So uh, to, to your point, the models are changing rapidly. And can the old guard keep up? Again, right now they're powered by the 200 bucks that those 300 million people pay them every month. But that yeah. is at risk, and it sneaks up on you like I think this whole thing snuck up on the NFL. I don't think they saw it coming. Yeah, and I think, you know, you look on paper, it looks good on paper. But one thing that's not thinking about is like eSports. You're thinking about like gamification, <laughs> e virtual reality. I mean, you have a whole new genre of programming that, like I said, these guys might have distribution and might have content, but funding the content and having it in the format that the people want is going to be challenging. Yeah, that's it's, my take. It's exciting times. Things, All right. Things they are changing, right? Any thoughts, Dave? Final thoughts on AT&T, Time Warner? Well, you know, I'm generally not a fan of these big mega mergers. I do think that, uh, you know, I'd much rather see smaller companies competing. But, you know, uh, you know, the rich keep getting richer. And I think, you know, I'm, I think a little bit more optimistic uh, than, than, than you are. But and it's, I think it's inevitable. All right. Real, the real most important question is, who are you rooting for, Cubs or the Indians? You know, I'm an American League guy, i got to say, but I love Theo, I obviously like John Lester, but I, I usually go for the American League. Come on, Jeff, who are you rooting for? I'm going Indians. I'm going Indians. I'm going for the Cubs. All right, our next feature we're going to talk about, our next segment, featured segment, we're going to talk about what's happening, what's going on in the industry, what's this consolidation, uh, what's this earnings actually mean for the business, and then we're going to tease out and talk a little bit about Sean Price and some other news in the, in the industry. So uh, we'll be right back with more Silicon Valley Friday show. I'm John Furrier with Jeff Frick and Dave Vellante on this segment. Be right back with more after this short break. I remember when I had such a fantastic batting practice, I walked by a couple of sports writers in that era. Hall of Famer, Reggie Jackson. It was like... You were rocking it out I, there. I, I, I kind of hope I didn't leave it out here. Reggie <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> when the game started, I got back in that moment. I got back in what was live, what was now. Goodbye. I went and did a uh, something with ESPN earlier this year with Stephen Curry. They said, Reggie, we want you to come up and watch his practice, his pregame. You know, it was very similar to your batting practice where people come out and watch, etc. And I watched the dribbling exhibition. I watched the going between the legs and the behind the back and the fancy passing, etc. And I watched the shots. And the guy asked me what I thought of the show. And I said, well, it, it's a cool show. 
but I'm going to see all that tonight. He does all that. He brought I it said, into the game. Yeah, I said, so it, <laughs> it's, a, it's not a show, but that's his game. Mr. October. I think our world now, with the instant gratification of, of sending out a message or tweeting to someone or some, whatever, certainly in the moment, uh, is about what our youth is and, and who we are today as, as a country, as a, as a universe. Congratulations, Reggie Jackson. You are CUBE alumni. Hi, I'm Stu Miniman. I've been an analyst with Wikibon and a co-host of the Cube since 2010. It's been an exciting journey working with the Cube. Uh, we get to go out to so many shows, help extract the signal from the noise, uh, interact with such a wide variety of, uh, of, of clientele, both practitioners, thought leaders, some big name uh, industry people, and we've helped some people uh, raise their profiles in there. Uh, especially love working with those practitioners. Uh, we've seen them move their careers forward and move their businesses forward as they take advantage of uh, technologies and practices uh, that they've learned talking with us, working with our research people, and working with their peers. This is Stu Miniman. Thanks for watching theCUBE. You're listening to the Silicon Valley Friday Show with John Furrier. Okay, welcome back everyone. You're listening to the Silicon Valley Friday Show. I'm John Furrier. Joining me today is Jeff Frick and Dave Vellante on the phone, on my iPhone, I'm holding up to the microphone. We have a more elaborate uh, system, but it's great to have Dave on. Um, this is our Thinking Out Loud segment where we just talk about what's on our mind and uh, riff on it. Um, for me, my first thing on my mind was really the death of Sean Price, who was a SVP at Oracle. Great guy, we had him on theCUBE twice, dynamic. Uh, young, 53 years old, had a uh, shocking turn of events, uh, quick uh, bout with cancer, happened fast, came out of the blue and took him, took his life very quickly. Want to do a shout out and dedicate this show to Sean Price. So, um, Sean, Godspeed. Um, Adrian Cockroft going to AWS, that's a huge game changer. What took so long? <laughs> He's like the biggest proponent of AWS. The first time I ever saw a Cube show, you were interviewing him back at, um, I don't even remember what show, is it Santa Clara? And he was talking about yeah. the beauty of migrating to AWS. You know, he was a, a you know, entrepreneur in resident, I think Battery Ventures, one of the firms. And I think he was trying to get a startup off, off the gate, out of the gates, and I don't think he could get it done. So, you know, um, or, you know, you try to rub two nickels together, get spark going, an entrepreneurial spark. Just, I don't think it was there. And, Amazon's just going so fast, they need all the talent they it's can great get. Move. Why wouldn't you great wanna, move by Amazon. Why wouldn't you want to jump on that awesome train yeah. that's, that's riding down, riding down the thing? Um, David Richards, the CEO of Win Disco. Dave, we just saw him at the IBM World of Watson. Lost his company, basically got power played out by two guys on the board, um, which was you know typical Silicon Valley story. Happened to me, happened to a lot of entrepreneurs where they, their company, the founders lose their company. David Richards was a founder. Um, he gets power played out. Um, and then he gets a shareholder vote really quick, which is really hard to do in, in the UK, in, in London, and gets control back and then bounces out the two board members, fires some key staff that was involved, and he's got the control. So the founder won and, and saved his company. Jeff, the point here is... I was hanging out with, uh, with David Richards in New York City at our Big Data NYC event. Dave's, this, uh, Dave, this is Dave Vellante back. Go ahead, Dave. Oh yeah, so, so so I was hanging out with David Richards in New York City a couple of weeks ago at the, our Big Data NYC event. I saw him at the IBM event. He came on the cube. He was upbeat. They got they got a deal with IBM. They got a, they got a deal with Oracle. They just closed another deal with a big financial institution. So they're there. And when Disco's one of these companies, they solve this really hard problem of you know keeping data up and not losing data, and it's super high you know high technical stuff. 
And so he's he's super upbeat. He's he's flying back to London. And I see next day he gets fired. I go, what? How'd that happen? Well, sure enough, as you said, he took back control. He got the the support of the shareholders. And he's a great guy. They've got a, an excellent strategy and a really good differentiation in the market marketplace. So I'm thrilled to see that uh, he was able to keep control. That's a good point, Dave. And you know, the Wayne Disco, the key there, Jeff, is that uh, they do have a product that you know, no one else has. So they, but they they weren't knocking it out of the park on the revenue side. And so you know, classic. You know, board members not close to the business. You know, to have a, see an opportunity to throw the sounder under the bus. And my point in this segment is not so much to talk about their business, but to talk about the fact that. You know, this is a Silicon Valley story. We hear it all the time. And again, it happened to me. And now that it's happening in Europe, now you're starting to see the globalization of Silicon Valley. So one is, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in keeping the founders around. I think just think it's, it's unless the founder did something illegal or some bullying or harassment or sexual harassment, they should not be booted. They should stay around. And any VC or board member that wants to force the founder out, and again, unless they're absolutely a criminal, is really bad for the business because the founders are the ones who have that sixth sense. They understand like when to zig and when to zag. And you can bring in an operating manager, but you know, have the founder around is always a good thing. And to have someone try to take the company away from the founder is just horrible. But in this case, David Richards, a really kind of a legend in the UK community at this point, because you know what? He fought the battle, stuck, stood his ground, and the founder not only stays around, he booted the board members out. So he he won. Right. A lot of angles there, John. I mean, the, the founding thing for sure, you know, I think when Disco probably did, wasn't hitting their sales numbers as they want, but Dave, Dave's, you know, looked for partnerships, which is part of what makes this thing go. And as you said, he got close with IBM. He's doing deals with Oracle. So, you know, leverage that distribution to get your revenue up. Absolutely. And in terms of the founder, you know, it's just ironic that just a couple days ago, we were interviewing Scott Cook, the founder of Intuit, who started that company 33 years ago. He tells the story like it was yesterday, watching his wife try to balance the checkbook. And he's still as passionate about helping customers today as he was. He's not the CEO. He stepped away from the CEO. But as we've talked about with Larry Ellison and founder-led yeah. companies, you know, that DNA, that that culture, that connection is really, really important. And you see in a lot of companies when they're not there, it, it's really yeah. hard to maintain and the, that. And the thing is that, you know, we're in Silicon Valley, so the, what, it, what it means for the folks on the street here is that it's like, it's, there's a camaraderie in entrepreneurship. And, you know, just like when Tom Brady was at the center of the game and Greg again, Pat, and Brandon would tell me about how Tom Brady and Tom, uh, Ben Rathsburg were talking to each other and handshake, I wouldn't want to be, uh, I'm so glad I'm not you. The two quarterbacks kind of, you know, giving Tom Brady props like, hey, Way to stick it to the NFL because they're only you know they're only thirty two guys that know what that job's all yeah. about. And so like you know the, 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 there's a quarterback fraternity of quarterbacks, and that's the way it is with with founders and and, and entrepreneurs is that there really is that tight knit community. And you know David Riches again can lead other young entrepreneurs. And what it really means is that for the people that are starting up companies today, just like we're seeing with the developer community, is more and more the founders and the developers are on the front lines of the business, and that they usually don't have that MBA, they don't have that street smarts. So to see examples like this and amplify is like hey watch your back um the guy smiling at you might be putting a knife in your back so that's the lesson that affects everyone and that's why having a good social network having a great uh, community that you're part of is critical for the entrepreneurship and again you're gonna have to fight the battles of your founder there's always going to be snakes in the wood piles we always say so you just gotta make sure they're not on your board and this is co-opetition right you need to know how to navigate you need to know how to be a competitor as well as a partner and that's kind of a unique thing that it's not super defined uh battle lines like there used to be kind of old school dave hello yeah, all right, Dave got cut off. All right, Dave, what do you want to? Did you hear what we're talking about? Yeah, I did. Um, 
well, I, I got cut off at the end of the David Richards, the, the founder, saying, you know, I wanted to throw out another shout-out for a, a good colleague and friend that was lost this month, John, is Maggie Burke. Maggie ran uh, EMC-TV. She was a, a news correspondent, introduced us to uh, Richard Schlesinger, uh, just a great, great lady, somebody else who uh, who had to leave this earth prematurely, which is really sad, but yeah. uh, I just wanted to, to mention that. We love Maggie, and... You know, all the best to yeah, her, her daughter. I'm really glad family. you brought that up, Dave. That's a great point. Maggie Burke, Godspeed to her as well. Again, cancer as well. Cancer sucks, and um, you know it's 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 doing it's it's doing it out there. So let's give a shout out to her as well. Um, thinking out loud, kind of wrapping up this segment. Let's kind of riff on AI. I love this because it's the hottest trend on the planet, but no one actually knows what the frick it is so it's the most amazing it's great for our business ai machine learning autonomous vehicles iot internet of things it is the hottest trend on the planet uh, and i threw out some uh, some commentary day on iot and ai this week and you know at, we were at uh, at uh, world of watson and jeff was at quickbooks what it kind of really coming down to is that ai is basically a buzzword for automating and using software to bring in some sort of intelligent you know, augmented capability for people, not so much an artificial anything. So I think IBM's super smart to use that. And it affects everything from the QuickBooks event you were at. Malcolm Goldwell, uh, Goldwell was there. Um, thoughts, guys. I mean, I personally believe I love AI. I love software. Anything that's software-driven, I love. But in this case, there's a little bit of a risk to getting out over your skis on both AI and IoT, kind of grounding it in reality. Well, the IoT got grounded in a big way uh, two weeks ago with the big denial of service. That was a week ago. That wiped everything out. But you know, it was interesting, John, at the QuickBooks account, we talk about how all these cloud and, and, and API and integrations is changing IT. It's actually happening in small business and in the accounting way. Because now, when we've talked about the richer getting richer, the big guys, but for the little guys, via AWS, via the QuickBooks platform, via all their ecosystem for partners, they can now leverage to their mobile device the thousands of engineers and development hours and applications that all these guys are using now delivered via a cloud app to their mobile so that they can focus again on higher value activities. So you're seeing it all over the place and these guys are getting empowered in ways that they could never be before. It's also a very exciting time for small business. I'm gonna play a clip that I just shared on uh, my, my um, Cube Gems on my Twitter account, twitter.com slash furrier. And I wanna get your guys' comments. I'm gonna hold the laptop up here, see if we can get, uh, get this properly set up here, get the volume up. This is Bob Picciano, my interview with him. He's a senior vice president. He, he was talking about this inside economy. I think he is right, and this is the one quote that I love that encapsulates my view. He nails it here, and this is a, a nuanced comment in the interview, but it's 49 seconds, let's play it. That it's not just about digitalization or making those apps digital and making it engaging. It's about the combination of digital and digital intelligence. And well, let's start it over from the beginning. Hold on, let's go from the beginning. Here we go. So this is Bob Picciano from the beginning with the sound right. It's not just about digitalization or making those apps digital and making it engaging. It's about the combination of digital and digital intelligence. And I think, you know, as every company looks to make that exact transformation that you have just laid out, unless they're thinking provocatively now about how they're introducing that digital intelligence along the way in a native, intimate, engaging format, all they're going to have is a, a digital set of processes. They'll still be back in the process economy. 
if they think about how to add the digital intelligence, then they're preparing to use natural language processing, deep reasoning, deep learning, so that the engagement that they're trying to foster is more meaningful for the client they're trying to serve or the service they're trying to create. What's the big all right, that's Bob Picciano. That's an awesome quote. Um, he's nailing it. If you don't, if you don't think about data differently, and this is where the AI and IoT comes in, you're going to be stuck in the process economy, which is the process improvement, you know, linear, right? Not you know, transformational. Not transformational. And I think that fundamentally is the heart of the AI. That's the heart of the machine learning. It's right. the heart of everything. This new digital intelligence. It's a revolution, not an evolution. And what's the difference between the two? In revolutions, people get shot. All right, we're <laughs> going to go back in depth. We're going to go. <laughs> okay, I'm not well, you know what? Okay, we'll see you next week. <laughs> you were here at the Cube Cube Studios in Silicon Valley. It's the Silicon Valley Friday Show. Dave Vellante, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Jeff Frick and uh, everyone here. This is the Silicon Valley Friday Show. See you next week.